Hey guys, welcome back to the CC.co podcast. This is our second season of the podcast, and we're calling it Reasons I Believe, where Pastor Bob Gaglione will be presenting the evidence of 22 reasons why he absolutely positively believes in God. So without further ado, let's get into it. Greetings, everyone. I'm Bob Gaglione. Welcome to the Reasons I Believe podcast, and uh, we're going to give you another reason to believe in God. This will be reason number five, and I want to state from the outset, uh, here on the East Coast, I am struggling with allergies, so I actually feel worse than I sound, but that doesn't matter to you. So I'll try to get through this episode, and I am so stoked about this reason because it's something we traffic in every day. And so reason number five, why I believe in God, is water. Now, again, I'm from the East Coast, so we say water funny. So if you're out in the Midwest or California, uh, it's our problem, not yours. But hey, water is something we all know is essential for life. Uh, look around, right? I mean, I think every human being is going to use many gallons today, whether it's in drinking water, or cooking food, taking a shower, washing the car, whatever. We all know we can never make it uh, without water. Most of us are probably aware of the fact that um, the proportion of water in the world, right? 71% or so of the Earth's surface is covered with water. 65% of our bodies are water. Uh, I really didn't know this until I got into this, but our brains and hearts are almost 75% water. So water's a big deal, right? We, we need to drink water to survive, but the more you get in the water, the stranger it becomes. And again, as we look at all these reasons, we're going to discover that there's a purpose to water and you know a scientific reason for it. And then there's the beauty and the wonder of water. Who doesn't want to live on the water, right? Beachfront property. There's something about water that calms us. We enjoy swimming in it. It's, it's just a glorious thing. And uh, I'm one of those weird people that likes a rainy day, right? I just like to sit on the porch or at a coffee shop and watch the rain come down. And by the way, we'll get into that later. That rainy day does a lot for the earth and how life works. So so water is essential. But I want to get into some properties of water that are perplexing and uh, really move us towards design. And I'm going to rely on two experts for this episode. I have a guest in every episode. One of them is Dr. Michael Denton. Uh, Dr. Michael Denton has a um, degree from Bristol University, a PhD in biochemistry from the King's College in London. He's a very respected uh, scientist, and he's written a book called The Wonder of Water. Uh, No pun intended, but if you want to take a deep dive in the water, I suggest Michael's book. By the way, he's an agnostic. So it's not like you know, I'm finding a believer in God that's writing about this. From everything he's ever written, he's an agnostic. Now, what he doesn't believe is that evolution is the answer for everything that we see. You can Google him. There's uh, videos on YouTube. But I, but I really think he is the expert on just the wonder of water. So I have a couple clips from Dr. Michael Denton. And then joining me live is uh, Eric Metaxas. Eric is the New York Times bestselling author of Bonhoeffer. He's written biographies on Martin Luther and William Wilberforce. Uh, he's a contributor um, to many cable networks. And he's written a book called Is Atheism Dead? 
And the purpose of this book, and, and we're going to talk to Eric in a minute, is that since the Time Magazine article back in the 60s where they told us God was dead, that science, that the science that actually has increased since that time has moved us closer to God than farther away. The discoveries we've had in the last 60 years are moving us to a place where you cannot deny God's existence. And uh, Eric spends a chapter in this book talking about water, and we'll bring him in in a minute. Before we get there, though, uh, water is critical. As I said, to our survival, we need to drink water to survive. But something you may not have thought about, but you're kind of a victim of, is that water is critical for maintaining stable temperatures on the earth. Let me explain this. Water, among all other liquids and all other materials, really, um, has a high capacity to absorb heat. This is really important. And I want you to think about a every, you know, common experience we've all had. So we've all gone to the beach when it's been really, really hot, like 90 or 100 degrees, right? And the sand is just baking in the sun. If you try and walk barefoot, you're in trouble, right? So you throw the towel down, you stand for a couple minutes, and you try and make your way down to the water. Do you ever wonder why the sand is hot to the, pl- to the point where you can't take it? And you're trying to get to the water, which is absorbing the same heat, but it's going to cool you? Again, it's because water has this capacity to absorb heat. That's why a backyard swimming pool, baking in the sun day after day after day, even in a place like Arizona, with 120 degree heat, only gets to about between 81 and 85 degrees and will still cool you down. Let's listen to a clip of Michael Denton explaining this. You have to put a lot of energy into water to change the temperature. That's very convenient. It means it's very easy for warm-blooded organisms like ourselves to maintain body temperature. So that's a property of water which seems specifically fit for beings like ourselves. And but there's another property of water which might even be more critical, and that is that in fact the evaporative cooling of water is one of the greatest of any of any fluid that's known. So again, I just want to reference The Wonder of Water by Michael Denton. Again, he's got some clips on YouTube you could look at. Dr. Denton goes on to explain how human beings, that we have this capacity also to absorb heat, but because we have less hair than animals, we perspire. Therefore, uh, it becomes like the air conditioning system of the human body, which means we can do things for longer periods of time. Most animals can run faster than us, but they can only run in spurts. We can work hard all day, right? Looks almost like it was designed that way, that we can work for hours and hours and hours. We can run, we can swim, and we have this kind of built-in air conditioning mechanism into our body. Uh, which allows water to evaporate. And again, if you read Michael Denton's book, it's very complex, but he goes into that. So so joining me today on the podcast, as I mentioned, is Eric Metaxas. He's the New York Times bestselling author of Bonhoeffer, and he's written uh, other books, Seven Men, Seven Women. And his recent book is, Is Atheism Dead? Eric, thanks for joining the program. It's a joy. Thanks for having me. So, Eric, I've been talking about reasons why I believe in God. There's going to be 22 that I'm going to do on this podcast in the year 2022, and one of them is water. Yep. And I was somewhat astonished that as you wrote your book, 
There actually is a whole chapter on water. I never thought I'd write a chapter <laughs> on water, but it is so insane that people almost won't believe it until they read it. It's not. It is nuts. If you if you don't believe in God, and then you look at what water is, like the kind of thing that you you couldn't take anything more for granted than water, right? Like, what's the big deal? And you start looking at it from a um, the point of view of chemistry, where you start thinking, uh-oh, this is weird. I never knew about it. I had no idea how weird water is. Actually, I'll tell you what, in, in The Simpsons, there's an episode of The Simpsons where they go to a water park and there's a really scary ride and it's called H2. Whoa. I actually think that water is like H2. Whoa. It is so crazy that when you get into it, you, you almost, you think, how did I not know this before? This is like, it is a strange concoction there's nothing simple about it yeah and, and the thing that always amazes me when we get into all our topics is they all have a utilitarian use and then there's just the beauty of it and and then it looks like it was it was designed yeah. for us oh right there's like no the grand doubt about canyon it. right the grand canyon is not only the greatest canyon yeah in our solar system but the most observable and the moon, the sun, it goes on and on. And so I love the simple analogy of ice, right? Uh, Why it floats. It, but this is the thing. is like, who would ever think about this? Most of us be like, what do you mean? Of course ice floats. Yeah. And then you start looking at it from the point of view of chemistry. If you're a chemist, you just say, well, you know, almost everything, when it goes from being a liquid to a solid, it gets denser, heavier, and it sinks. sinks. Not water. Water is weird. It is super weird. But then you find out that water does get the, – the colder it, it gets, the denser and heavier it gets until it reaches 39 degrees Fahrenheit and then it flips. And from 39 degrees to 32 degrees, it goes in the opposite direction. It becomes less dense, less dense, less heavy. And by the time you hit freezing point 32 degrees, it is 9% lighter and less dense, and it floats. And you go, well, that's weird. Well, even weirder, if it didn't, there would be no life on planet Earth. Exactly. They know They know that. Yeah. So you kind of think, oh, what's that a coincidence? It's a pretty weird coincidence. It's pretty, I mean, there, the other thing that, uh, only a chemist would know this, I'm not a chemist, but they yeah. say that if you look at the size of a molecule, you could pretty much guess roughly what the freezing point would be and what the... Uh, the the boiling point would be and they say water is a complete total outlier it should never freeze when it does it should never boil when it does like it's com completely bizarre uh the the basically the structure of the water molecule is so freaky they talk i mean i go into this in my book is atheism dead but i talk about the polarization it, it possesses these properties so that all the stuff that we know that water does all the time that we don't even think about, it shouldn't be able to do those things. Right. One, one of those things is, you know, they call it the universal solvent. It pretty much dissolves everything. And then you find out, oh, yeah, and if it didn't do that, we wouldn't be able to have life all yeah. over planet Earth because it, it dissolves. Earth, yeah. It does so many things. And, yeah. and again, I never knew this growing up. And the more you look into it, you think, this seems like somebody created this. This yeah. doesn't seem possible that this happened randomly. So the average listener would say, okay, I'll chalk that one up to you, but how could it make me believe in God? I know you're saying this looks designed, yeah. but give me some more properties or understanding so 
so I so I can you know yeah. I, I want to be curious about this, but I want to be intellectually sound. Well, one one of the things that freaked me out about water, like whoever thinks about the viscosity of water, how about nobody? Right, you never even think about viscosity as an issue, but science now knows that if water were ever so slightly less viscous or more viscous, whatever, it wouldn't do one of the main things it does, which is is just thick enough that as it runs over rocks, it is like sandpaper. It's just thick enough to cause erosion. And I kind of thought, erosion, that's a good thing? Right. Well, yeah, science says, by the way, water, because it erodes rocks, it takes the minerals and metals in the rocks along with it. So it kind of erodes the minerals and the metals in the rocks, which dissolve into the water and carries it wherever the water goes, which means that wherever the water runs, however far it goes, it's carrying those nutrients so that plants can be fortified. And you you start thinking like, wow. So if water didn't erode rocks, if water didn't dissolve this stuff into itself so that it's carrying this stuff, we wouldn't have the plant life that's all over everywhere. And then animals eat the plants. And guess what? They get the minerals yeah. and they go to, and you start thinking that's because of erosion. Whoever thought of erosion as a positive thing. And then I found out that erosion, water erodes so powerfully that over the millions of years, it should have eroded all the mountains down exactly. to nothing. And you think, well, so then why do we have mountains? And they say, oh, yeah, it's something we discovered about 50 years ago called plate tectonics, which creates the mountains. The more you look into this, the more you start realizing this is like a freaky level of design. It's almost unbelievable. I think you referenced Niagara Falls in your your book, which is a great example. And, And then there's salt water. You know, as a little kid, I remember my grandfather telling me that there was a pile of salt somewhere and it makes the oceans all the same saltiness. And and again, you take for granted salt water. And and, and then, Eric, there's this whole idea that the, the Bible knew about this. So we see hydrology in the book of Job. It's in Genesis, a uh, little bit of Ecclesiastes. Anything you want to share about that part well, of it? Well, listen, you probably know, know more about that than I do, but that's the other freaky thing is that when you study the Bible, you start realizing how is it possible that like 26 centuries ago or 30 centuries ago, they seem to understand this, the way they're writing about this. Yeah. They shouldn't have had the science to understand some of this stuff, but they write as though they know. And that's part of the evidence of why you'd say, well, if, if you believe the Bible has a divine origin, human beings didn't have the ability to get this back then. Yeah, like the Psalms talk about paths in the sea long before anybody knew about shipping channels or current at a deep level. It, it's, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of that kind of stuff. And it's like, we're only scratching the surface. The more you learn about the world in which we live through science, the more you start kind of seeing these freaky parallels. And again, water, I never thought I would be fascinated by water, but the more, I mean, in the book, I I write in depth about it. There is some stuff about how water allows sunlight through it. And there's a whole chapter on light. And I just thought, this is like, this is kind of crazy stuff. And I can't believe that people don't know this because it really does if you don't believe in god this i think would help you say there has to be somebody who put this together it could not have come into being randomly it just doesn't make logical sense if i just want to be logical 
So, you know, I shared earlier in the podcast that, uh, you know, three quarters of the earth is water. 75% of the body, the human body oh, yeah. is water. So any little tidbits? From- well, yeah, there's one. I mean, another freaky thing is like, it says that if water, water has these weird qualities, right? I mentioned the, the particular viscosity of water. Water also refuses to compress so that water, like at the bottom of the ocean under miles and miles of pressure, barely compresses, which is kind of a freaky thing. And it's because of that property that it's able to push the blood through our veins. It seems to have just the right yeah. properties. And But who would ever think about that? It's incredible. Well, Eric, thanks for joining us on the show today. Thanks for your research on water. If you want to pick up Eric's book, is Atheism Dead? It's on Amazon. It's a great read. Thank you. So, Eric, thanks for that contribution, and I uh, really appreciate your book. Again, listeners, why is, is atheism dead? Eric's got arguments from archaeology. Uh, actually, many of the things I'm going to be talking about in my reasons. So, another resource if you're on this journey of wanting to believe in God, or if you do believe in God, just being filled with the wonder again, of his creation. Uh, one final thing I want to say about water, and I'm not really going to touch on it, you can do your own research. Uh, there's this whole complexity of salt water. Yeah, the oceans that cover the earth are salty. And we know that because we swim in them and we enjoy them. And you really want to go out and ask yourself, why are they salty? And the reason is, is because... God designed it that way, but scientists will tell you that fresh water rivers, streams, creeks all run into the oceans, and they have an amount of salt in them. But the hydraulic system replenishes the ocean and so forth. But but here's what's staggering to me, and again, I think it points to God, is with all the rainwater and all the fresh water leaking into the oceans, the salt content never changes, about 3.5%. Wherever you measure it around the world, it stays that way. And again, so you could do your own kind of research into this, but salt water is necessary for life on this planet. And again, it's just one of those mysteries that points us to God. Now, I want to end with uh, this final observation, and it's this. I shared that I'm, uh, I'm a Christian, and so I believe in the Bible. And to me, the Bible is going to be one of the proofs for God And one of the things that has always just left me in wonder about the Bible is that the Bible is not a science book, but it's 100% accurate when it comes to science. So in the Old Testament, this is before Christ, so we're talking about 1,700 years before Christ, some of these books were written all the way up till the time of Christ. So about 1,000 BC, remember that's 3,000 years ago. King Solomon, who was the wisest man who had ever lived, God had endowed him with more wisdom than anyone who ever lived, and he wrote thousands of proverbs and songs. He wrote books of the Bible. He, you know, people came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. Jesus alluded to Solomon's wisdom. Listen to this, a thousand years before Jesus. In the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 1, verse 7, he said, All the rivers flow into the sea, Yet the sea is not full, and to the place where the rivers flow, there they flow again. Now, 
Solomon was not writing this so people would have a cursory understanding of the hydrological system of the earth. But whenever someone in the Bible writes, if it's inspired by God, it must be scientifically accurate. Again, as I said, the Bible's not a science book, but it must be accurate. And Solomon was exactly right. There are thousands of rivers in the world, right? Think of all the rivers near you, all the all the streams, right? And individually, they dump millions of gallons of water per second, not per day, per second into the ocean. And if we ever thought about stuff like this, we would say, well, where's all this water go? Uh, why is sea level, you know, the same? Why does it not fluctuate and uh and the answer really is that there is a continuous circulation of water on the earth. And this is well understood now. Now, ancient people had all kinds of beliefs around this. Even though you know the Bible was pretty clear, they had all kinds of beliefs. It wasn't until actually the 17th century AD, I know this is hard to believe, a man named Pierre Perrault really developed what we know today as the modern concept of the hydrological cycle. With a series of experiments, Peralt showed that rain does not penetrate the soil beyond about two feet. And so most of the rain that falls does not go in the springs. He also demonstrated that several times more rain fell than there was water in the river. So again, the Bible stood up to this. Now, it's not only Ecclesiastes. Listen to what the psalmist said, Psalm 135, 7. He, God, causes the vapors to ascend from the ends of the earth. That's evaporation, folks. He makes lightning for the rain. He brings the wind out of its treasuries. Job may be the oldest book in the Bible. And in chapter 26, verse 8, he, God, wraps up the waters in his clouds, and the cloud does not burst under them. So I think even just a cursory understanding of evaporation, we understand the role that clouds play, and the Bible's totally accurate. Uh, he goes on in Job to say, for he draws up drops of water, which distill as rain from the mist, which the clouds drop down and pour abundantly on man. Indeed, anyone can understand the spreading of clouds and the thunder from his canopy. So once again, this amazing system that you and I hardly think about, but we frolic in it, we take our boats into it, we bathe in it, we enjoy a day at the beach, we drink water, every beverage we have has water as it's based. And it points me to God. It points me to a God who not only designed water in such a way so that I could exist on the planet, but that I could enjoy life and just be in awe of his creation and be inspired by it. I'm Bob Gaglione. This is the Reasons I Believe podcast. Reason number five to believe in God is water. Check it out. Uh, Michael Denton's book, The Wonder of Water. Eric Metaxas, Is Atheism Dead? Do your own study. We'll see you next time for reason number six. Thanks for listening. Our hope is for this season to sow seeds of faith to all who listen in. So we'd love for you to be sharing these episodes to whoever God puts on your heart. And if this episode ministered to you in any way, we'd love to hear from you. Get connected to us by following CCDelco on Instagram, on Facebook, and subscribing to our YouTube channel so you don't miss out on any other content coming your way. Love you guys. Until the next episode.